Hey there, thanks for listening to our podcast. The fall semester is winding down. It's been really crazy and hectic, and I'm looking forward to getting some rest. But I'm also looking forward to the holidays. And with Christmas coming up, and we're all out shopping and thinking about buying presents for our loved ones, uh, giving is on our minds. And as you're thinking about giving, I'd love for you to consider RUF. Uh, RUF at App State is operated 100% by the generous donations of individuals and families and churches. Uh, would you consider giving a gift to RUF? Something modest, 5 or $10 goes a long way. Um, maybe you'd be interested in becoming a monthly supporter and partner at maybe 20 or $50 a month. Maybe you'd like to make a more substantial year-end contribution to help offset your tax burden, whatever it might be. I do hope that you will consider supporting this vital and vibrant work at App State as we seek to reach students for Christ and equip them to serve. If you'd like to give or find out more, please visit www.givetoruf.org and select App State from the list. Again, that's www.givetoruf.org. Thank you so much for listening and praying. Hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hey guys, uh, welcome to RUF. It's really good to see you. I'm sorry it's a little bit warm. I'm not sure if it's hotter in here or colder outside, but I'm really glad I wore these wool socks now and can't take them off. Um, it's really good to see you guys. A special welcome to you if this is your first time at RUF or one of your first times here at RUF. Um, it's our pleasure to have you and to welcome you as our guest. And uh, we've been going through a series this semester that we'll be wrapping up tonight. Is that making a really crazy sound? Yeah. Man, you'd think that they let us use this place for free, you know, the quality of care. Because um, they do let us use the place for free. Can I use this mic? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll just go with this. You guys can hear me okay. Um, we've, been, we've been doing a, a series this semester on the Apostles' Creed, and the Apostles' Creed is just this sort of succinct statement about what the Christian faith is, and it's printed there in, in your bulletin. And um, this is really, whether you're a Christian or not, and something we, we can't say too much is what we're really happy that you're here, whether you're a Christian or not, um, because we're really all kind of trying to figure this thing out, this grace thing, this Jesus thing out together. And um, whether you're a believer or not, this is a great way to understand what the Christian faith teaches, what the Bible is. It's sort of the Bible summarized there. But um, tonight we're at the very end, the last statement, uh, and the life everlasting. And um, tonight we're kind of looking at the end of the story. If, if all of history is this story that God has been unfolding over time, that there was a creation, that God created everything, and there was a fall, somehow sin came into the world and things went wrong, and he sent his son Jesus to redeem everything and fix everything, this is sort of the happily ever after of the story. And we're going to be in Revelation. Um, so everyone just relax. We're going to be in a book of the Bible that everyone totally gets and understands easily. Um, uh, you can look on your handout if you have. I'm going to be kind of skipping around through Revelation 21 and 22. And um, so you just read off this. I'm going to read off this so I don't lose my place. Um, it's important to know the end of a story. Um, it can help you throughout. Uh, when, I, when I was younger, we went to Universal Studios. Um, has, have, have you guys been to Universal Studios? It's kind of like the lame Disney World. And, um, or, Di- or Disney World is the lame Universal Studios, I'm not sure. But my, my greatest fear in the world is dark water. And um, like being in a dark body of water, particularly if it has some kind of 
electronic animatronic thing. When I was a kid, um, I was really terrified of the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ride at Disney World, which is like the like lamest little ride, but it's underwater and it really freaked me out. I had nightmares, I still do. And um, true story. And so when we went to Universal Studios, I remember as a kid, I rode the Jaws ride, which seemed like a good idea, and because um, I liked the movie. And so I rode the ride, and it's terrifying. Um, and you know, the shark comes up and attacks the boat when you're on it. You can imagine. And but I remember I, I rode the ride again with my mom, and um, I had ridden it, and she hadn't ridden it. So I was like, Mom, you should sit. You know, sit in this place. This is like a safe place for you to be. And, um, you know, of course, but I put it, like, right where the shark, you know, comes up, you know, and it really freaked her out. But um, I was really petrified the first time I rode the ride. But when I was riding with my mom and I had sort of knew, I knew at the end I wasn't going to be in the water with the robot shark, which is more terrifying than a real shark. And the second time I was able to enjoy and actually have some fun at my mom's expense because I knew the end of the story. And the, the point of the book of Revelation is to do two things. A lot of people think that the book of Revelation is this, like, very mysterious, you know, like, there's all these codes you have to figure out that's sort of hiding something. But the name of the book is Revelation. It's, it's to reveal something to us. It's to reveal Jesus to us. And it's this wonderful picture story of Jesus up on the throne. And what's going to happen? What's the end of the story? And the point of the whole book is John's writing this book, and he's saying, this is the end of the story. This is the happily ever after. And so for the here and now, when you're stuck in the middle of the story and it's hard, and um, things are happening that are unideal, stick it out. Because there's a happy ending. So read with me, if you, if you would, in, uh, in your handout in Revelation chapter 21. Even printed on this handout, this is the word of God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord, the God Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The end of the story. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. 
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this wonderful hope. And Father, as we think tonight of heaven, as we think of what you're going to do to make all things right, would you give us hope? Um, Because we need it. Uh, We pray for our campus in a time of hurting, that you would be with us by your spirit to comfort us um, and draw us to Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Um, So when I was in seminary, my wife worked. She worked as a designer. She's actually a pretty kick-butt textile designer. She designs patterns for women's clothing. And uh, now she spends most of her time designing children. Um, And uh, so when I was in seminary, I worked part-time and took classes and was kind of on the fast track. But she worked a real job. And... um, and she, she would work at home as a freelancer on our computer, and we had this great Dell, you know? Dude, it was a Dell. And, um, and uh, it was fine, you know, this Dell desktop, which was like cutting edge when she got it, you know, in college. But, and it was, it was okay, but then she would go to work, and she would work on this, like, souped-up Mac, and it was awesome. And, like, it would be fair to say they were both computers, Right? They both serve the function of being a computer. But the one was of such a greater quality than the other that you could hardly call the other one a computer compared to it. She would come home and she was very frustrated with this crappy Dell that she had. And tonight, as we look at the world that's to come, um, where believers will live and reign with God forever, um, it's much the same. That the world that is going to come is very much like the same world, the world that we live in now. It's the same kind of world. But it's a totally different quality. And the quality is so much greater that it almost seems like a completely different place. And just real briefly, when I say that this is going to be a place where believers live, I don't mean this is a place where people that have figured their life out and gotten on the right track go. This is people that have looked to Jesus and said, I need you. I'm a mess. I need you. And those are the people that will inherit this new land. So it's the same kind of place, but it's a different quality. And I want to look at three things that are they're the same about this world and how they're the same, but they're different. We're going to see that it's a physical world, what we're headed to. Heaven, the new heavens and new earth, is a physical world. That community is still vital in the new heavens and new earth. And that worship is still central. So it's, it's physical, there's community, and there's still worship. Um, so it's a physical world. Last week, if you were here, we looked at the resurrection of our body. Um, we have this, a lot of people have this idea that when we die and we think about the afterlife or what it's like, that we'll sort of be this, these disembodied spirits, you know, sort of floating around in this ethereal world, you know, maybe sitting on a cloud, uh, always playing a harp. I don't know why there's no instruments in, he- in heaven, but harps, but it's always the harp. I have little wings on our backs. And, um, and I, I know that a lot of us think that because the question I get a lot about heaven is, will we know each other in heaven? Will we, will we be able to tell that that's Kevin? Will I, will I know, if he's not wearing that NC State shirt, God bless you, that, um, that that's Kevin? The answer is yes. We're going to have bodies. It's going to be very much like the body we have now, but it's to a, a, a greater degree. It's of a greater quality. And the new earth that we're going to, to live in is the same material substance as this earth. If you look at the beginning of the passage there, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And then you look down and it says, and I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down. Um, 
history began in a garden, it's going to end in a city. It's this very, very physical, real place. And if you, if you want to get a vision for what heaven is going to be like in this physical place, you should read a short book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. And um, it's, it's really a story about what heaven is like. And what's striking about his vision of heaven is how much more physical and earthy it is than the world we live in now. Uh, the people, they get there, and they're the same as we are, but once they get to heaven, they realize that they're really not very substantial. When they walk on the grass, the grass won't bend beneath their feet because they don't have enough substance to walk on it. Has anyone seen Ghost? Please? Okay, thank you. Okay, some people have seen Ghost. Okay, all right. Um, if you, this is, there's a great image in Ghost. Okay, Ghost is a Patrick Swayze movie. Okay, Swayze. Um, any Swayze lovers out there? He's a beautiful man. And um, was before his tragic passing. And um, so he sat in his Demi Moore before Demi Moore got really weird. And um, it's, the, it's the movie with the scene where they're like together on the, on the wheel and they're sculpting something with clay. Because... Yeah. Um, so Patrick Swayze dies and he's a ghost and part of what he realized is there's this one scene he's in a subway station and there's a can on the ground like a Pepsi can or whatever and he's trying to move the can but he can't move his hand sort of keeps passing through it and he tries to kick the can but he can't do it because he doesn't have enough substance to move this thing and when we see the vision that we see of heaven is it is a physical place and it's so radically substantial and physical that compared to this world, this world would seem very much like a phantom. That's, that's the image that Lewis um, makes for us, that, we, that what we are now is kind of like a, a house ghost at Hogwarts, you know, compared to a very substantial place that there will be in heaven. And what the, this passage shows us is it says, look, we're going to live on earth. It's not going to be this place, but it's going to be a lot like this place. It's a great reminder that God loves earthiness. That he loves physical things. And he didn't make you to transcend your body and to transcend the physical world. He made you to live and enjoy the physical world. And whenever you have a great meal, I went on a trip with my wife last week. We had a great meal together. Whenever you experience uh, just a beautiful, um, breathtaking view, like on Rough Ridge or something like that, um, or whenever this is for me, it's like the great two-hour Sunday nap. You know, where you're like, I'm not doing anything. I'm laying down, and you're like sweating. That's how you know you're having a good nap. You're like sweaty, and like your face is kind of sticking to the couch a little bit. That's a great nap. Whenever we experience those things, they're a foretaste for us of a place that is more substantial and physical than the place that we live now. Where we will enjoy those things forever. And those things are meant to whet our appetite and to get us interested and excited for what awaits us in heaven. On the new earth, we will play and work. And we will interact with one another. And there will be animals and plants. And it will be beautiful and perfect and radiant. And nothing will be wrong with it. I read a Yogi Berra quote where he said, if the world was perfect, then it wouldn't be. But Yogi Berra was right about, not Yogi Berra, by the way. Yogi Berra was right about a lot of things, but he was wrong about that. We'll live in a perfect physical place. Okay, so it's physical, but there will still be community in heaven. Um, when, you, when you read Revelation or any book that, of the Bible that talks about what's going to come, 
the life everlasting, two things you'll recognize about the people that are there. Number one, that there's a lot of different kinds of people. So there's always, it's always saying from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, there's be incredibly diverse people. If you think that you've experienced anything near diversity now, it's nothing compared to what it's going to be like in heaven when we're, when we're perfected and together worshiping God. There won't be one type of person. There will be a spectrum of different kinds of people. Because there's a lot of different kinds of people. But secondly, there's just a lot of people. Myriads upon myriads upon myriads. Thousands upon thousands upon tens of thousands of people worshiping God together. And we'll be living in community together. I don't, I don't know how often when we think about what our eternal life will be like. That we think that we'll be doing a lot of the same things that we do now. It's interacting with each other and living together in community, we'll be living in this city. But here's the difference: um, when God originally created human beings, they were naked. And um, I don't know how you guys—if you guys could imagine—if we were all naked right now. Um, I'm, okay, it would be fairly awkward. Um, those of us that—I say those of us, those of you that spend a lot of time in the gym—even um, would feel insecure, right? Because there's a sense of shame that comes with our nakedness. That when our nakedness is shown, that there's, there's a sense of shame. But when God created people, it wasn't like that. People were naked together and had no shame. Had no insecurity with one another. And that is the world that we're going to. That is the life that we will live forever. Where we will barely remember the sense of shame that we had now. Because we will be perfectly in community with one another. And there's no more hiding or lying or manipulating, or feeling of insecurity with other people. And for me, this is one of the hardest things to grasp about eternal life with God. Because regret and insecurity is just germane to what it means to know other people and be vulnerable with other people. I was listening to um, a podcast the other day, and they were talking about this study that had recently been done of like what people, like it was like, what do you hope will be... um, that scientists will, will develop in, during your lifetime. Like hovercrafts or jetpacks or whatever. I don't know what it would be for you. But the most common answer was time machine. Um, and people didn't want a time machine so they could go into the future. People, almost all of them, wanted a time machine so that they could go into the past. Now some of them would say, like, oh, I want to get like rid of Hitler before the Holocaust or whatever, and that's, that's a good thing. Um, But most people wanted to go back and fix something in their own relational past. That there was something wrong. There was an 11-year-old girl on there that was like, yeah, I have a lot of regrets. And uh, and the guy was like, you're 11. And she was like, you don't remember what it's like to be 11. Um, There's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's always this sense of, I wish I wouldn't have said that, or I wish I would have done this thing. I mean, I could could probably rattle off 10 or 12 from today. Um, There was one woman on there that she, she wanted to go back. And she wanted to have the last conversation she had with her husband back. Um, because they had an argument about Tupperware. About a Tupperware order. And then he went and played. Uh, he was playing a sport and had a um, heart attack. And she was like, I just want to go back to that moment and have a better conversation than I did. Because regrets are just an inevitability of being vulnerable with people. And uh, Patty Griffin, um, which is my aunt's name, by the way. But this is not the same Patty Griffin. Um, I wish this Patty Griffin was my aunt. Um, 
She has a song called Long, Long Ride Home, which is one of my wife and I's favorite songs, but we don't listen to it together because it's like too uber emotional because it's about losing your spouse. And, um, but she has this line. It's a song about like she's just gone to her, like, her husband's funeral, basically. And she says, 40 years go by with someone laying in your bed, 40 years of things you say you wish you'd never said. How hard would it have been to say some kinder words instead? Um, that really sums up what it's like to be in relationships with other people now. And the hope of glory with God is that when we relate with other people, that there will be no regrets. That we will somehow, and I can't even imagine this, be able to love one another. Um, Jesus makes a comment in the Gospels that in heaven there's no marriage. People aren't given uh, in marriage. And Sarah Jane and I were talking about this last night. And uh, I don't think either one of us really liked that idea. Because we like being married to each other. And... Um, and, but the reality is, in the passage, it says that, that our, the people are going to be like a bride adorned for her husband. Um, and we'll be married to Jesus. And he will be our husband. And um, the reality is that as someone that will no longer be my wife's husband, I will still love her better and more intimately and truly and be a better friend to her in heaven than I am now. Um, and she doesn't need a better me. She needs another, she needs a better husband and she's going to have one in Jesus. And we will be with God forever, forever. And we're going to talk about worship. We won't have insecurity and regrets with other people, but we won't have insecurity with God. And that, that's the last point here that worship is still central. Um, again, look at the first couple of verses here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And, this holy, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And this gets me. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. You get the picture here? There's an earth and there's a heaven. And there's this city in heaven, this perfect city, and it's us. And it comes down, and God himself comes down to earth to, to marry heaven and earth. And there's no longer a distinction. They come together perfectly. Heaven comes to dwell on earth. The best part of heaven, and I know that this is going to sound sort of flat now. I get that. But all I'm trying to do by even talking about this is to give us a glimpse or to get a glimmer of wanting that the best thing in heaven will be that God is there. And that we see him face to face. And you know what we see when we see God's face in heaven is a smile. That he is so delighted to be with us. And he says, I don't want to be away from you. I want to be with you and in your midst forever, and I want to dwell with you forever. The relationship we have with God now, if you, if you know God and you've put your trust in Jesus, and I'm assuming you have, I hope you will, um, is in a sense mediated, right? We pray to God through the Holy Spirit, you know, by, by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus, but we don't really hear something audibly back, or we worship and we sing songs, we read the Bible, we take sacraments, and we know God's there, but in a sense, there's a sense of disconnect. Um, 
in heaven, so, there, so, so now there's this sense of already and not yet, but in heaven we'll have unmediated access to God. I love the song that we just sang. Uh, my favorite hymn is Jesus on my cross have taken. And, um, uh, and I love the, the, the line there. It says, soon shall close thy earthly mission. Soon shall pass thy pilgrim grace. Hope, hope shall change to glad fruition. But the next line is amazing. Faith to sight. Right now, if you believe in God, you believe in him by faith. And that feels weird. It feels unsubstantial from our end. Everything that we need from God, he's given, but it feels unsubstantial. In that day, we will see God. There won't be faith anymore. Faith is a thing that happens now. It will not be something that happens then because we'll see God and everything will be perfect. And it says prayer to praise. That what we want to say to God, we can say to his face. And he'll bring us in and embrace us forever. And I don't know about you, I really struggle to find my fulfillment in other people. I struggle to find my fulfillment in my wife and in y'all and with, in my friends and my children. And I, I'm looking to get something and it's never enough. I'm always still hungry for affirmation again and again and again. But one day when I see God, I won't need that from other people because everything will be given in God. Every longing of your heart will be filled by God because you will behold him face to face. I don't, um, if, you, if you've, there's like a, been a band that you ever really, really liked and they're musically moved you and then you went to see them in concert and you're like, that was amazing. And then you had the chance to meet the band afterward. It's like, don't do that, by the way. It's like the biggest letdown because at the end of it, you're like, that was just kind of like some sweaty dude. Uh, you know, like there's a sense of like the magic is a little bit gone because you're like, he's just like me. But with God, when we meet him in heaven, it'll be the opposite. The music that moved us now, when we see God and we see the creator of that music, will be filled forever. And really, this is the last time that I'll get to speak to you like this for the semester. And I don't really have some application point, some challenge for you. Um, because all I'm really hoping for is to talk about heaven and to make you a little bit hungry for it. And to make you, maybe even in a really, really small way, long for something better than you have right now. I'm living a story, and you guys are living a story, okay? And most of the time, that story really sucks. Because it's about us. And what I'm hoping is that, in a sense, you will long for a home. Some of you guys feel like you have home. Like, when you get home for Thanksgiving, that's your home. But when you lay your head down at night in that home, are you ultimately fulfilled? And a lot of you don't know what home is. I want you to long. Freshman, when you get back from your first Thanksgiving break, and hopefully you had a great meal and you hung out with your family and you watched Travel Channel with your parents or whatever and you slept in your own bed, that first day when you get back and you're sitting in Cascades by yourself eating rice and beans because you don't have any more meal plan money left, um, there will be a sense that you're longing to be home. And can this story that God is going to make everything right, all the sad things will come untrue, could for a moment, could it make you long for that home and for that better story? I hope so. It's been uh, a privilege and a pleasure getting to know you guys this semester, and I hope to uh, get to do it some more. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the happy ending that we have in Jesus. And um, Lord, we, we hear a sad song now, and we may love it because it, it puts us in touch with an emotion. Um, some of us really struggle to feel our emotions, to understand our emotions, um, Father. But we ask that you would stir up in us through this brief vision of what will be. Um, that something better awaits us, that our best days are not behind us, but the best is yet to come, and we will see you face to face. Help us to long for you. In Jesus' name, amen.